Hey everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. My name's Rob Oliver, I'm your host, and my guest today is Josh Smith. Josh has been a professional school counselor at Western High School for 13 years with a master's degree in counseling. He's located in Michigan, and he has served as the president of the Jackson Counseling Association for two years and has been on the leadership team there as vice president for two more. Josh also facilitates the Michigan College Access Network, training hundreds of Michigan school counselors. He's taught in the graduate counseling program at Spring Arbor University, and he has been a presenter for the last two years at Nerd Camp and is on Home FM for weekly two-minute radio spots called Two Words to Consider. Josh, welcome to the show. Rob, thanks so much for having me today. Uh, it's an honor to be with you. Privileged to be able to speak with you and your audience today. The topic we're going to talk about today is anxiety, and I can't think of a more practical time to cover this because everybody is feeling the uncertainty. It, depending on which news source you listen to and depending on which expert you listen to, we're getting conflicting messages, we're getting all kinds of information, and it seems like there's a lack of certainty, there is an increase of worry, and all of us are anxious. Can you share a little bit about your personal story of dealing with anxiety? Absolutely, and, and thanks for asking that question. Uh, it, it seems like, and, and you kind of alluded to it, it seems like our culture and our society uh, was already dealing with a great deal of anxiety before all this happened. And now with, with this COVID-19 situation going on, uh, it only heightens, uh, especially uh, surrounding health anxiety. And that's where my personal story comes into play. Uh, I look back, Rob, uh, at uh, uh, growing up as, as not necessarily a worried person, but growing up, I, I look back and notice that I was anxious uh, just by personality, just by who I was. Uh, nobody to blame for that. I think some of us are just kind of more anxious than others. And I think those listening can relate. I grew up just being a little more anxious. And uh, I learned different ways to cope with that and, and to deal with it. Uh, but when I was 32, uh, Rob, I was diagnosed with cancer and it was a complete surprise. I was healthy. I did not have any symptoms. Uh, it was a, a traumatic time for me. And uh, the, the story of how I discovered it, like I said, I did not have symptoms. I was working out frequently. Uh, healthy person, and uh, I noticed that something didn't quite feel right, and uh, I gave it a month, and again, uh, it still wasn't quite right, so I went into the doctor to get checked out. Everything came back uh, great with a physical exam, and he said, you know, I'd like to schedule an ultrasound just to make sure. So I went home, very reassured, uh, had it checked out. Doctor said I was fine. Honestly, came real close to calling the ultrasound place to reschedule without rescheduling, if you know what I'm talking about. Yes. Uh, was not going to do that. And uh, I ended up going to the ultrasound and having it done. And I, I, I remember getting a call like the next day from the doctor. And I could hear in the doctor's voice, there was a, a, a level of concern. And she said, I, I, want you to, I want you to see a urologist tomorrow, not like next week or make an appointment. She's like, I want you to go tomorrow. So I knew something wasn't quite right, but 
I, I went to the appointment, obviously, and I just remember the doctor walked into the room and said, anytime there's a, a, an area of concern in that part of your body, uh, 90% of the time it's cancer, and we're going to take that out tomorrow. Wow. Uh, so it was, it was pretty traumatic, blindsided, uh, again, felt great, and went in and had the surgery. Uh, everything uh, checked out after that, had a CAT scan. It was nowhere else in my body. Uh, but then, Rob, six months later, uh, I did a, uh, a routine CAT scan again, and uh, just, just as a follow-up, and I had just finished the weekend before running a half marathon, and again, felt great, and the CAT scan uh, came back and said that the cancer had returned to a lymph node in my abdomen. So for a second time, I was completely uh, blindsided, traumatic experience. Uh, had to go through chemotherapy and had some complications from that, but it worked and I was cancer free again. And so you can imagine someone who grows up in that sort of a situation where they're already a little anxious uh, to have a surprise diagnosis like that of, of cancer at a young age of 32 um, would only heighten any concern. So uh, my specific area of anxiety is health anxiety. Uh, which, which, which kind of fits with what we're dealing with right now with the COVID-19 and uh, everything that's going on. So, so that basically means every time I had a, a small symptom, whether it's a stomach ache or a headache or, uh, or anything, I, I immediately thought, well, it's cancer again. And it would, it would cause me some significant anxiety. It's the same thing today. Anytime someone in my family coughs or looks like they're a little bit flushed in, I am worried. I'm like, okay, do they have it? Do they not have it? And yeah, so that's, we're feeling that today and it's what you were feeling back then. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that took a lot of work for me to overcome. That took a lot of uh, practical strategies and, and coping mechanisms. Uh, but the, the crazy thing is the story doesn't end there. Um, even after being healthy for two years, I, uh, I was experiencing some symptoms which I had kind of taught myself to ignore so that I would not get anxious. Uh, and two years later, I had some severe stomach cramps and ache, uh, severe stomach ache. I went into the emergency room, and again, they did a CAT scan in the emergency room. And I can still picture uh, the doctor walking back in to see me after the CAT scan and saying they found a tumor in your colon. And so at the age of 36, I was then diagnosed with uh, colon cancer, totally separate cancer than before. And again, I, you talk about being blindsided and a traumatic experience. I had to stay in the hospital for, for five days. I had to have major surgery, uh, followed by chemotherapy for a second time in my life. So cancer twice before the age of, of 37. And I, they actually did diagnose me afterwards emotionally with uh, PTSD and generalized anxiety disorder. So I come at I come at anxiety from a personal level. I know what it's like to deal with it, and I think a lot of times people don't understand anxiety until they've actually dealt with it and realize the emotional toll that it takes, but also the physical toll. Those of you who are listening today who have dealt with anxiety know that it's not its not some uh, small, insignificant thing. But if you're seriously dealing with it, it, it does affect you. Um, and it can affect you on a daily basis. So uh, it, it's the real thing. It's so interesting what you're saying that 
you talk about this concept of the way that you have coped with it and how it affects you on a professional level as you're doing counseling. I, I, I think about um, the concept of the wounded healer, how someone who has gone through an experience is able to help others deal with that experience in a way that it's not that you've learned about it academically, which you have, but right. you've learned about it experientially and that makes it so much deeper, so much more personal, and it allows you to have a real connection with the people that you're helping out. So how does that whole experience then fit in with your professional experience? Oh, it's, it's really exactly as you described. One of the best things I feel like I can bring to the table when it comes to professional counseling is I can, when speaking with someone, say, I, I know what it's like to experience the things that you're describing. So even if they're not dealing specifically with health anxiety and they're just dealing with uh, anxiety about something else, a lot of the symptoms are the same. Uh, Symptoms like, obviously, there are emotional symptoms, uh, things where uh, you're going to have racing thoughts. uh, You're going to think maybe you're going crazy. uh, You're going to experience all kinds of different things uh, mentally. Uh, having a hard time focusing, things like that. But you're also going to experience uh, physical symptoms. Um, I know that I've experienced uh, shakiness, just feeling like you know I couldn't, my hands were shaking, a fast heart rate, uh, muscle tension, headaches, uh, aching, aching muscles, uh, feeling like it's hard to breathe, uh, feeling dizzy, having stomach issues. Those are all things that are symptoms of of having significant anxiety. I should also say, Rob, as we're describing those things, that if you're experiencing those things, it's always best to get checked out by a doctor. Don't just assume it's all anxiety. You want to make sure you're being safe and and taking care of yourself. But um, there's a a whole myriad of symptoms that a a person can experience. And then then you put those things all together. You've got racing thoughts. uh, you, You can't focus. You can't put words together. You're feeling shaky, fast heart rate, dizzy. Uh, hard to breathe. You put those things all together and you're experiencing a panic attack. And that can be a pretty scary thing for someone to go through. Uh, And so for me on a counseling standpoint, to be able to tell someone, I've been through that. I know what that's like. And that's, that's legitimate. That's, that's for real. Um, That, that hopefully speaks some life and some uh, positive uh, thoughts into the individuals that I work with. I want to highlight a couple things that you said there. Number one, it's not just a mental experience. Yes, there are mental components. You mentioned racing thoughts and so on, but there is also the physical manifestation of it. And so people need to be a little bit more gracious and kind. When someone's dealing with anxiety, a lot of times people say like, it's just in your head, get over it, deal with it and stop. But there's more Mm -hmm. to it than that. The other two things that you said, number one, or when you're experiencing those physical symptoms, it is important to get those checked out by a doctor to make sure that there is nothing else going on, but that all of it combines into something that is a panic attack and it all has a potential to lead to a very difficult place. Yeah, you're hundred percent right. I, I've had, I've had the anxiety so extreme that I'm convinced and my doctors are convinced that I've experienced symptoms that are not real. The pain is real and the, uh, the sensations are real, but the, there's no like physical 
cause, if that makes sense. So as an example, I had headaches uh, just last Thanksgiving for about two weeks. And in my mind, Rob, it seems almost kind of silly, but in my mind, I was 100% convinced I had a brain tumor or I had uh, some sort of brain aneurysm. The problem is when you're, when you're that anxious about it, you become more sensitive to it. So you feel it more and then you begin to ruminate on it. So it's not like, uh, you know, I'm anxious about my finances. And so I'm just going to distract myself. The problem with pain is it's a constant reminder. So if I were to say, well, I'm just going to go watch a movie and distract myself from my, my physical symptoms. And then the pain comes back as you're watching the movie or reading a book or taking a walk as a constant reminder of something bad is going on. And so it just reinforces and, and it's like a circular process where you're constantly worried about you know, something going wrong with, with your health. That's exactly what I was thinking. It's that circular experience where it just kind of spins and snowballs and, well, it feels like there's no way to break that cycle. You talked about some of the manifestations of anxiety, but can you tell us a little bit about what are the contributors to anxiety? I mean, not everybody has to be diagnosed with cancer. Not everyone has to, like me, have a spinal cord injury, but what are the contributing factors for anxiety? That's a great question. And in my the situation I described is very unique. I, I don't know that there's too many people who will be listening today who have a, a double cancer, cancer diagnosis. Uh, but you're right. that it, There are larger issues that um, from all the research we've done and the reading we've done uh, that contribute to the general anxiety of our culture and society. All right. Now, these uh, some of these are going to be from a, a Christian perspective, which are what I come from, which is where I come from. Uh, the first one, especially. But I think even if you're not a Christian, you can understand why this might cause some generalized anxiety in our culture. And uh, if it's okay, Rob, I'll go through these kind of quickly, but I think they're going to make sense as we go through. Sure. Uh, The first one is uh, there's been a removal of God from our society. So a removal of God, if you can think think about uh, a basic understanding of God as someone who is in control, someone who has a purpose, someone who knows the future knows all things, um, and you take God out of the equation. Uh, I think the scriptures say it as, as it's you're without hope and without God in the world. And so what would you expect if you don't have that stability and that security? I would expect someone to be anxious if there's no purpose and no meaning and no one's in control and there's no future. So that's just, that's just the first one. Uh, generally, a removal of God from society is going to create some anxiety. Uh, the second one, uh, which I think all of our listeners today are going to be able to, to say makes sense, is a breakdown of the family, a breakdown of the family. So there are many of us who are are growing up um, in a generation where we didn't have a mom and a dad. Uh, if you think back, you put the, these two things together. If you think back to like the 1940s and you had all those soldiers who were going into World War II and even before that into World War One. And they experienced some horrible, horrible things in war. And then they returned home. And yes, it had a massive effect on them for the rest of their lives. We all know some of those people from the greatest generation that that had influenced us. Uh, And and they came back and they were able to return and uh, contribute to society um, where now so many of our soldiers and our people who are, have gone to war are returning, and they are experiencing uh, significant, significantly more PTSD and anxiety. And I have to believe that part of that 
is because in previous generations, in like the 1940s, you had uh, people who were going to war who basically, I think you would agree, grew up going to Sunday school and growing to church in the 1940s, 1930s, 1920s. And even if they weren't practicing Christians or, uh, you know, weren't, weren't a part of a, a membership of a church or weren't, weren't Christians in that way, they still had a general understanding or belief and respect for God. And if you remove that out of the equation, uh, that's going to be something that people are going to struggle with. And the same thing goes for the family. Back in the 1930s and 40s, uh, generally, most people were growing up with a, a mom and a dad and a, and a family. And even if they weren't perfect, there was still that sense of stability and security so that when they returned, they had that support system. And now, like we're saying, so many people are growing up without that full capacity, uh, that full caliber of, of support system in their family. Again, that does not mean that just because you don't have a perfect family that you're destined for uh, struggles with anxiety or, or different struggles like that. But the reality is that provides you with such a better structure and support system if you have that that family. So the removal of God and the breakdown of the family are two larger issues that are contributing to the general anxiety of, uh, of our culture. Those two things make sense, Rob? They make perfect sense. And what you're talking about is in a theoretical way, an overall understanding that the world is structured and that there is some higher being in control of what's going on. Everything is not just random. And then an actual physical support system in which you have, you know, people around you who are Mm -hmm. providing you with, again, that structure and that support so that you can rely on that. And when you don't have those two things, seems to be everything is random there's no order there's no reason and there is a, a really i think the possibility of that sense of aloneness that sets in and you you feel like you really have you're really on your own um, yeah and and those two things are 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 two of the heavier issues there are some some less heavy issues that are larger contributors um again this this is just a common sense one but the invention of electricity and technology that we have today, where what did people do 120 years ago before there was electricity and it got dark out? They they went to bed. Right. <laughs> it got dark. You went to bed, uh, and now you can turn on a light and you can stay up uh, probably more than we should, and we get less sleep, which is going to cause anxiety. And the technology that we have just kind of enhances that issue, where we're we're not sleeping enough. It's going to add to our anxiety. So that's a that's a lighter one. Um, and then, Rob, there's the whole issue of, of social media. That's a huge contributing factor. There's no question that in 2007, uh, when the iPhone came out, and if you look at the data, there's a direct correlation, it seems, between the spike in iPhone and uh, smartphone sales and a spike in anxiety and depression among adolescents and teenagers. There's like a uh, what seems to be a direct correlation with the data wow. and the social media. Um, now, now here's the interesting thing. I'll just I'll just mention this real quick. Is that uh, as you read the research, something kind of emerges that makes sense on the anxiety level, and that is that with social media, with smartphones, we get what's called what researchers have have termed uh, the God complex. 
So you don't have to know much about God to know that, that theologically he is all-present, all-knowing, and all-powerful. All-present, all-knowing, all-powerful. Now, when we take our phone in our hands, like I'm sure many of our listeners can do right now, um, we take our phone in our hands and we quickly scroll through our social media accounts and the different apps and the different news, news settings. Subconsciously, we are inundated with all kinds of information so that even if we don't realize it, we're beginning to feel like we are all present. You know, I can get on my phone and see that there are things going on in China. There are things going on in Florida. There are things going on in Pennsylvania and Michigan. So I get a sense in which I'm all present. I'm all knowing in that I have a wealth of information in my smartphone that that cannot be exhausted. And then I also get the sense that I'm all powerful in that I can speak to and try to help with all these things that are going on in all these places. And so our brains are just not designed to handle that kind of information. We can't be, we can't be all knowing, all present and all powerful. That's, that's only something that God can do. Sure. Uh, Josh, you do sound a little bit like a troglodyte for the fact that uh, we're going to blame electricity. We're going to blame smartphones. (laughs) Uh, And now the problem is Pandora's box is open. We're not going to get rid of electricity. We're not going to get rid of the smartphones. We can't necessarily go back and fix broken families or family situations that are not what they were historically. Mm -hmm. So if we can't do all of that, what can we do to help people that are experiencing anxiety? What are the solutions? Absolutely. So I want to, I want to leave you with some practical things today that you can do um, that if you were to call a counselor or do some telehealth, or when this all passes, you go and meet with a counselor, that, that no question, these are the standard basic things that uh, they would encourage you to do and that everyone can, can walk away with today. Would that be okay to go through a couple of those? Yeah, that'd be great. Okay. So the first one is, and, and you, this one I think you're all aware of already, but deep breathing is a wonderful tool that I remember the first time I heard about it, I was like, eh, I'm not so sure that's, that's actually going to work. But practiced, intentional deep breathing periods during the day where you can take two or three minutes and, and they call it uh, uh, smelling the flower and blowing out the candle. So we think we take a deep breath if we just, you know, breathe in and, and breathe out, but it's intentionally filling your lungs to capacity and then taking the time to breathe it all out with some intensity, with some force. Uh, not like you're, you're running a marathon, but you're breathing it out and you can even use a count to like five or six as you're breathing out. And if you do that repeatedly, maybe three or four times, it slows your heart rate, it calms your mind, it gets all your blood flowing correctly. And I think honestly, as I reflect on it myself, there are many times where I go through a whole day and I forget to, it feels like I forget to breathe. You're just like constantly moving, constantly doing, and sometimes we just need to slow down and take some deep breaths, and it just helps put everything into perspective. Does that make sense? It does. Are there like maybe one or two more that you can share with us? Yeah. A second one would be take some quiet time. If you like to do meditation, there are some awesome meditation apps. One is called Calm, C-A-L-M. It's a really popular one right now. LeBron James is even using it. Uh, uh, So Calm. There's one that's called 10% Happier. Um, There are all kinds of uh, meditation apps. And I don't necessarily mean uh, 
you know, getting deep into the meditation practice, but it's more of a, uh, a quiet time, um, which so few of us take advantage of. And it is a, a time where we can uh, just kind of get alone and be quiet with our thoughts. Um, myself, I use that time for prayer where I can just uh, communicate with God and I tell him what's bothering me. And I just spend some quiet time to kind of reflect and calm things down. So that's going to be a very useful time as well. Excellent. Talk to me then a little bit. One of the things that we talked about in the pre-interview was this concept of thankfulness. Can you tell me a little bit more about Mm -hmm. that? Absolutely. So most research says, and most people would agree, counselors generally agree, that if if you exhibit periods of thankfulness or a thought process of thankfulness, it is incompatible with anxiety. It is almost impossible to be thankful and anxious at the same time. So you hear that old um, analogy or that old saying, like count your blessings. There's some truth to that. There's some reality to that, where if you take some time and think about, maybe during your quiet time, think about some things that you have to be thankful for, whether they are deep things or if they're just simple, practical things, it is something that will contribute to lessening your anxiety. So be thankful. Be thankful for family, for friends, for the small things that we have, for the big things that we have. Be thankful that we live in the United States of America in 2020. Be thankful for the awesome health care that we have. Uh, so many little things that we often overlook, you know, we can be really thankful for. I think it's a great suggestion. And your idea that thankfulness and anxiety have trouble coexisting. I had never thought of that, but very powerful. What kind of recommendations then do you have for those who are struggling? Uh, There's a lot of good information online. If you're struggling right now, you can do Google searches. You want to make sure you're going to respectable websites, uh, things like Mayo Clinic, uh, and you know what they are. You want to avoid uh, random message boards and uh, things that are not backed by research. But um, there's obviously a wealth of information on the internet. Um, but if you want to take it a step above that, which which we generally recommend, it's that you go ahead and schedule a counseling appointment with someone. It, it's never a, a bad idea to get someone to help you reflect and to talk, to, uh, talk through some things. And uh, you can always reach out and, and do some some counseling. A lot of people struggle with the thought of reaching out and asking for help because it might seem like it's a weak thing to do. Like I'm not strong enough to handle this on my own, but it's actually showing more strength and more resolve and more grit to say, you know what? I'm struggling a little bit. I'd like to talk to someone about it. Um, So I, I recommend it. Josh, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. You've given us a lot of wonderful things to think about. I have learned a lot. We have established indeed that you are smart, but at the end of every show, (laughs) we have what I call three questions to establish your humanity. This is a chance for you to give a little bit of an insight into who you are as a person. So uh, you ready? I think so. All right. Question number one, what is your favorite TV show of all time? Uh, I watched a lot of Seinfeld growing up, so I I enjoyed that. But uh, right now, during uh, COVID-19, 
Uh, my kids and I watch a lot of Survivor Man or Man vs. Wild. I feel like that's a practical thing to do just in case things go too crazy. So we figure out how to survive. Wonderful. What's something that you have learned in the last week? Uh, something that I have learned in the last week. Let's see. The uh, there is There's this book, a book called Grit, G-R-I-T. I highly recommend it for anyone. And there is a chart in that book that talks about parenting wise parenting and not so wise parenting and how to parent for grit. And uh, one of the uh, really helpful parts of that chart is that wise parenting is highly demanding and highly supportive. So if you don't do both those things, you're going to have a problem, highly demanding of your children, but also highly supportive. So that, that made sense to me. Got it. And what is your mm. death row meal? If you, if it's, mm. if you know that tomorrow is your last day, what are you eating for your last meal? <laughs> well, when I get really anxious, I have no appetite, but if I have to, if I had to choose something, let's see, I like sushi. I would say, and this might sound strange. I would say pizza and sushi. And here, here in Jackson, we have an amazing place called Aka Sushi. So if you're ever in Jackson, uh, give me a call or send me an email and I'll take you to Aka Sushi. You know what? I'll put a link to Akasushi in the show notes so that if anybody happens to be in Jackson, Michigan, they can swing by there and get some good stuff. Grubhub will not deliver it to Pennsylvania, but it's, yeah, if you're in Jackson, it's worth it. Wonderful. All right. Josh, listen, you have shared so much. I understand that there's a lot more tips and strategies for easing anxiety. You gave us uh, three or four of them, and um, you've got a document of 10 tips and strategies to ease anxiety that folks can get. What's the best way for them to get that from you? Uh, I can provide that to anyone. If you want to email me at Josh, a healing place at gmail.com. So Josh, a healing place at gmail.com. I can send you a helpful sheet um, as well as a anxiety workbook um, from DePaul University that specifically comes uh, that specifically deals with coronavirus and anxiety. A really helpful tool. Excellent. Thank you so much for being on the show. This has been Learning from Smart People. If you've enjoyed the show, I would encourage you to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. I will remind you, when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody.